1 Corinthians chapter number 13, if you would please. What we're going to do is a little bit about what the Bible of is. Love is. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Isn't it good to be in God's house? I'll tell you what, our worship was just fantastic. Awesome. And I challenge this morning. I, I'm glad I'm in God's house. I just I didn't make a decision to say, I want to stay home. You say, well, you're the preacher. You can't do that. Well, I know, I know. But still, I'm just glad I'm in God's house with you great people today. And share the word of God with you. Yep. Verse would please. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And if you're able, would you stand with me? So, boy, I feel like this is a bunch of like popcorn, up and down all the time. Verse one. For the tongues of men and of angels, and have not the word charity in the King James. It's the word love. Okay, is a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the knowledge, I have all faith so that I could remove my love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profited me nothing. Love suffereth long. Love is kind. Love envieth not. Love does not behave itself uh, and in such a way to push itself forward. It's not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish Away. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for a great time in God's house. Now, God, I pray, fill me with your spirit, anoint me from on high. God, I don't want my words, I don't want my thoughts, because they mean absolutely nothing. God, I want it to come from you. And God, speak to our hearts, for there may be someone here that's never experienced the greatest love, and that's your love. Today, I pray they will see Christ. Lord, there may be those that are here that are struggling with some things in their lives. Speak to them, God. Do a work that only you can do. For we pray it in Jesus' name. And once again, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, Amazon.com did a little survey about the title of books or the subject of books. And they found out that there's over 2,700 books that uh, have been written or speak about heaven. Someone said in this survey said that there's about 1,100 uh, books have been written about money. And then they also said, well, they came up with about 1,900 books that deals with, you know, the subject of God. But they found this out. They found that over 3,100 books talk about a subject called love. Love is one of the deepest human 
needs of all, and yet it is also the very most understood and misused concepts. For instance, here was a following letter. Dearest Billy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I have felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Forever yours. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery, too. <laughs> Little misconception about what love is there. Now, here in the book of 1 Corinthians, in verse 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul says, you know, there are some spiritual gifts that are really important. Really important gifts. He mentions in these verses, he talks about the gift of tongues. That was able to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who had a different language. Also, maybe a prayer language in in their own life too, whatever you want to call it. But he says that's a gift. Then also, he says there's the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the the idea of sharing the truth of the Word of God, for, for telling the future. We do have many scripture verses that deal with prophecy in the Bible. Also, there is knowledge. There is knowledge, and that simply is the wisdom on how we can help others. So I have knowledge, now I'm going to apply the wisdom to it, I'm going to help others with that. And then also he talks about faith. Jesus talked about faith. He says, here we are to have faith that moves mountains. Wow, I, I like that, moves mountains lives. And then he also said, he talks about the sacrifice. If I give my body to be burned, you know, I sacrifice my life. I give it all for Jesus. But then he makes a point in those verses. He says, all these gifts are important, but he says this, but without love, all these gifts actually mean nothing. Example, in our congregation, John, stand up so everybody knows who you are. Stand up, John. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, you, John Moore. That's your name. Okay. Stand up. There's John. Okay. John Moore is a race car driver. I don't know how he fits in the car, but I'll just tell you. Uh, he is a race car driver. Now, you sit down now, John. Thank you. John... Let's say he gets a brand new, up-to-date, the best engine you could ever put in a race car. I mean, everything is the best it can be. I mean, every, the tires, uh, the, everything, everything is just perfect. I mean, he's, and he gets all the equipment. He gets everything that he needs to run the race. Here he is with this brand new, new race car, and John is ready to go. He can't wait. He gets on the track. They got everything. They're ready to go. They're at the starting line. Here we go. As he turns the key for the engine, it doesn't start. What is wrong? They open up the and lo and behold, this race car, which has everything, Everything you can imagine, up to date, the best you can find, does not have a battery. And therefore, going nowhere. And that's what Paul is saying in those verses. Folks, you can have all these gifts. You can have all this. You can brag about it. You can say, look at me. I speak in tongues. Look at me. Prophet. Look myself for Jesus every day. But Paul says, if you don't have love, you're going 
nowhere, just like this car. It's not going to move off the block. It's not going to go down the track unless you can start it. It's got to have the electrical charge to get it going. Folks, we need love, and we know how this is. We've heard this phrase. We need love in this world, and we need more love in this world, but I'll tell you what we need. We need in God's love in our lives and demonstrated God's love through what we do and say. Amen, church? Well, let's look at some other things when we think about this. Uh, You think about love. Uh, Love is the greatest. It's essential in our service for Christ. Without it, we accomplish nothing. We are nothing, and we are, uh, and we are profited nothing if we don't have love. Well, in the following verses, in verse 4 through 8, Paul begins to demonstrate to us and for us what love is. Now, that's a good thing. I mean, hey, we just had Valentine's Day, right? And we, 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 we thought about those that we care about, and so we maybe bought flowers, we got a card, or we come out to eat, or we did something special, because that's the day here in our country that we set aside, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. Wow, a day of love. Is love. Well, this chapter is not really a definition, one writer said, but rather a display of how love is to make a difference in each and every day of our lives. Think about that. We say we love God. We say God loves us because God is love. But are we demonstrating God's love? God's love. Here's what we need to demonstrate. This is what we need to show. Look at it and let's see what it says. Number one, in verse number four, love is patient. That's the idea of long-suffering. Now, I want you to understand, this term, long-suffering, is not referring to circumstances, because all of us have things happen, as we all know, and when those things happen, we got to have patience, but this is not talking about with circumstances happen. This is having patience with people, people. Love them, we have patience with them. You may have some, I mean, they eat you up. Just, oh, can I just get away from them? Uh, you may have some around them. But we, if we are, it says that love, the God's love is patient toward us. We too need to be patient with others. So this past week, were you patient with someone? True story about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham, early years before he became president of the United States, very uh, an enemy. His name was Edward Stanton, and Edward uh, Stanton was, by the way, called him all kinds of names and and even I mean names in the paper. He said these words. Listen to this: uh, that he's low, cunning, damn that he was the original gorilla, that he was ridiculous for explorers to go to Africa to capture a gorilla when they could find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. I mean, can you imagine this guy saying these things? Well, as president, he was looking for 
secretary of war. You know who he chose? He chose Edward Stanton. And someone asked him, why would you choose that man to be your secretary of war? The things he said about you. And words. It's because he's the best man for the job. And the day came that President Lincoln was these comments that very night. He says, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. See, Mr. Lincoln was patient in his love. You and I need to learn to be patient with people and love them like we should. Well, here's the next The Bible says that love is kind. That word means to be useful, serving, and gracious. It's a kindness that means to share the burden, help carry the load. It is the first test of Christian love and the test of every aspect of love in the home. So if this, think about your love for your mate. Think about your love for your children. Think about your love for your fellow Is it kind? Kindness is so important. Story, it's a true story. It's about an elderly man who had two daughters. And uh, these two daughters in later years of his life had to go and clean his house because he wasn't able to. He was a widower. And, and so he had one daughter who came and cleaned his house. And may, I mean, she cleaned it spotless. I mean, it was spotless. But she did it in such a way, grudgingly, sort of like, ah, I, I have to do this. Oh, it's taking my time. Dad, I wish you could do this. And then this man said he had another daughter who would come. She would clean, and maybe not as good as the other one, but you know what she would do? Generous. And, and, and encourage his, her dad. And he, would, and he said these words. He said, I appreciate so much my second daughter. He lifts me up. She encourages me. She helps me because she has a love that is kind. Oh, do we have that kind of love today? That's kind for others. And then he also said in verse 4, he said, love isn't envious. It's one of the first of eight negative uh, descriptions of love. Shakespeare said about this, jealousy is the green sickness. It's the enemy of honor and the sorrow of fools. Jesus referred to it as an evil eye. Jealousy has two forms to it. And here's what it is. It simply says, I want what you got. And then number two, I wish you didn't have what you have. Wow. Have you ever done that? Ever like that? An example in Scripture about this very thing. Rome, the wisest man, outside, of course, Jesus Christ being the wisest. But Solomon had a test before him. Women come before him judged, and they have a little baby with them. And here's the situation. One woman spoke up and said, both newborn babes. And said, during the night, one of those children had died. And what had happened is the other one that died, that mother got up, took the baby that was dead, placed it next to the place where the woman was who had the live baby, and took the live baby. Or she was saying, this is my baby. And of course, he didn't know. So he said, I'll tell you what, let's do. He says, let's take the live baby. 
And he asked one of his soldiers to come, and he says, draw your sword, cut the baby in half, and give one half to one and one to the other. And one of the ladies cried out, her have the baby. And Solomon knew right then there which one was the real mother. You see, it's not envious. Not only that, but love, verse 4 says, it does not brag does not vaunt itself. It does not parade itself in its accomplishments. See, the Corinthian believers were a type of people. They had a problem with spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts that they had, what they were doing is they were going around saying, I speak in tongues better than you are. Oh, no, no, I prophesy I'm better than you are. And look, by the way, I have the gift of help, so no doubt I am certainly somebody else. You know, I'm really important. But says, that's not the idea here. James Hewitt says, there are two types of people in the world. Those who come into a room and say, here I am. And those who say, ah, there you are. Boy, that's a good point, isn't it? Well, notice something else. Love also, in verse 4, is not arrogance. The Bible says that pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth, I hate Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes for destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Pride and arrogance breed contention. Arrogance is a big-headed, love is big-hearted. Missionaries of old, really the father of modern missions today. But William Carey was a very humble man. He was not arrogant. He was not proud. And they had a banquet, and as he was, one told him and began to explain to him about, you know, what he was doing, and maybe he was doing it wrong, and how you need to do it. And by the way, William Carey, who are you to go to India, and who are you to, to build a, a mission there to reach the people of India? By the way, you're only a shoemaker. Now, what would we say? We might pipe up and say, I'm going to punch you in the mouth for that. I'm going to, let's wrestle right now. Take care of this situation. This is what William Carey said. Love is not arrogant. He said these words, sir, I'm not a shoemaker. I'm only a shoe repairman. Wow. See, that's humility. That's someone who knows what it means. Love is not arrogant. And I wonder how many times in our life, We let that old arrogance, we let that old bragging attitude, we let it come out, and we don't let the love of Christ be seen in us and come out. Well, also it says in verse 5, love isn't rude, does not behave itself unseemly. This has to do with manners. This has to do with respect. And I wonder how many of us in our lives, we have lost a little bit of that respect. We've lost a little bit of that manners. And we need to go back and say, hey, you know what? Love has manners. has respect for one another. These Corinthian believers, they had such a problem going on. They had such unbecoming behavior. And they were involved and they disrespected one another. And they did not honor one another. They did not honor the elderly. They did not honor the Lord. They did not honor the authority. They did not respect and say those words of please or thank you or may I. And those are important words. For all of us to learn and all of us to continue to use throughout our lives, by the way. Because love is what? It's not disrespectful. 
shrewdness cares nothing for others' feelings and sensitivity. Number seven, I said, isn't self-seeking. Seeketh not her own. I read this and I thought it was really good. There's a tombstone that says this. Here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering wealth. Now, where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. Oh, think about that for a moment, folks. When it comes to love, should our love be all about us? Listen to what it says on this tombstone of a great general by the name of Charles George Gordon in London, England. It says, says this about him, who at all times and every will gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, and his sympathy to the suffering, his heart to God. What is your about you and you alone? Well, also it says in verse 5, love isn't irritable. It's not easily provoked, which means this. It means talking about how that we deal with others and how that we deal with them as far as what we say to be offensive or hurtful. Are we doing that? Are we using our words to hurt others? Or do we really? Love doesn't get angry and lash out and hurts. Say something or do something that displeases others. Love never reacts in self-defense or retaliation. We need to love. I want to ask you at your home right now, do your children know you love them? Does your wife know you love them? Does your husband know you love them? In our church, do you know, do people know that you love them? You care about them? Also, number nine, love isn't bitter. Thinketh no evil. This is a bookkeeping term. It's a bookkeeping term that means keeping a ledger. Now listen to this. How many of us keep an account of all the things that people have done us wrong? How many of us have a ledger in our mind, in our heart, and in that we have so-and-so said this against me, so-and-so done that against me, have that written down, and it's written in your heart, and as a result, it's become hard. I like this. It says, I heard a story about a man who had rabies. This took place in the early 1900s before there was a cure for rabies that had been found. He was bitten by a rabid, a rabid animal and taken to the local hospital. The doctor examined him, ran some tests, and broke the bad news to him. He said, I'm sorry, but you have contracted rabies, and there's no hope for you. We can keep you comfortable during the last days, but that's all. I suggest you write out your will and set your affairs in order. The man was shaken, but managed to keep his composure. He asked the doctor if he could have a writing pen and a pen. The doctor found him a pad and a pen, and the man started writing furiously. The doctor left the hospital and returned several hours later. He caught up with the man still writing and said, Boy, I'm so glad you took my advice. It's good to see that you're working on your will. The patient looked up and replied, Doc, you don't understand. This isn't my will. This is a list of the people I'm going to bite before I die. 
Wow. I wonder how many of us are like that. We've got our list. And boy, we're going to make sure they get it before we die. We're going to make sure they know how we feel before we die. Wow, that's not what love is. Number 10, love isn't jubilant in unrighteousness. Verse 6 says, it rejoices not in iniquity. Now listen to this. Love never takes satisfaction from sin. Did you hear that? Never. It never glorifies sin. It never justifies sin. And we live in a world, folks, that likes to justify and glorify sin. And in the Bible and in the Word of God and in our lives as believers, we do not take delight in the sin of this world. Amen? Well, that's a weak amen. Maybe because we enjoy our sin. Says sin is a pleasure for a season. But that's not what the love is all about. See, this meaning to this word here, the idea is hoping someone will make a mistake and fall into sin. No. No, it's also the idea of rejoicing in sin with the gossip, you know, even though it may be true, but we still want to talk about, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what love is all about. Last thing, thing we want to look at also, love is trusting, verse 7. It bears all things. It always believes the best about someone. It's the word bear means to cover or support. Love does not expose or exploit or gloat or condemn. It bears all things. It's trust. And I read this little story. I thought it was cute. It says, sometimes women are overly suspicious of their husbands. It happened so when Adam stayed out very late a few nights, and Eve became very upset. You're running around with the other women, she said. And uh, you're unreasonable, Adam said. Said, you're the only woman on earth. The quarrel continued until Adam fell asleep, only to be awakened by someone poking him in his chest, and it was Eve. He said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm counting your ribs. (laughs) Wow. Hmm. Love is what? Verse 7, love is hopeful. It believes all things. It love is harbor of trust. When trust is broken, love's first reaction is to heal and restore, and that's what it should be. Also in verse 7, love is enduring, it endureth all time. That means a military term. It means an army that's holding its position at all costs. Love is, is, uh, holds fast to those that it loves at all costs. And I just want to ask you, is that the kind of love you have in your family? A love that protects, that holds. A love that says we are here and we're going to get through this, the thick and thin, because we love each other. And the best example of love is Jesus. That area, they put that crown of thorns after they had 
pulled his beard and they smacked him in the face. And then after they spit upon him and accused him of all kinds of things, then they took him and the soldiers made fun of him, put that crown of thorns. And then after that, they took him to a place and then they beat him with the cat of nine tails and they beat him to where his his blood was flowing and you could see his flesh, you could see his bones. And then he had to carry a cross up to Calvary and there he laid down on that cross for you and I. And there his nails were put into his hands and his feet and he was lifted up. And what did he say? He said, them for what they do. Yes, he called 10,000 angels. Yes, he could have come down. And yes, they mocked him there on that cross. But he endured the cross for you and I. Folks, that's the love of God. For others. An enduring love that says, I love you no matter what. A love that says, I'll go beyond the, the bounds I'll do what I can. Now, let's read verse 13, and then we'll close. Here it is, folks. Paul now wraps this up. Paul says, there's three things that are great. He says, these three things that are abide, and they're great things. He says, there's faith. And yes, we need faith. We all need faith. We need to grow in our faith. And the Scripture teaches us that we need to have more faith. But Paul also says, you know what? There's something called hope. That's important because if you don't have hope, I mean, how can you get through life? How can you face the tragedies of life? You must have hope. You must have something to hang on to. I mean, hope is important. says, and there's also love. These are three great things. And those three great things everybody needs in their life. And the question is, number one, do you have faith in your life? Do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Number two, you have hope because you have a hope in eternity. You know where you're going to go for, I mean, when you die. You're 100% sure Jesus is your Savior, and you know you're going to be with him. But he said the greatest of these is love, is love. Why? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten. But whosoever perish have everlasting life. And when you receive God's love, then you can have faith. When you receive God's love, you can have hope. And you do not is the day. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe you got away from some of these things we call love. Maybe it's time to come back and love again. Our eyes closed, head bowed, eyes closed. And God is speaking to your heart right now. You know the love of God is not in you. Because you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, I'm not talking about doing good things. I'm not even talking about coming to church. I'm talking about, you know for sure. You know for sure that Jesus Christ came into your life and he saved you. He forgave you of your sin because you went to him and you said, Father, forgive me. And you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You received the fact that he died for you 
You received the fact that he was buried and he rose again. And you believe that. And you asked him to forgive you. Come into your life. If you have not done that, today's the day. Receive God's love. His name is Jesus. If you're here today and you're a believer, now listen, if you're a believer, maybe your love became a little bit unkind. Maybe your love has become a little irritable. Maybe your love has changed over the years between you and your, your spouse or your children. Something's wrong. Today's the day to get it right if you'll come. Father, we place this all into your hands now. May your will be done. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, she's going to play a verse, and then we're going to sing a verse. You'll come. Will you come? Do you know Christ? Would you step out and say, yes, I need Jesus today? Because he is God's love. Will you come? God has spoken to you. How's your relationship with God? 